Welcome to the Sunday Sermons Podcast. It was recorded on a Sunday morning at Morrison Hill Christian Church in Kingston, Tennessee. Our prayer is that the truths and strategies presented in this message will equip you to become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to be in your presence. Thank you for coming and abiding with us. I pray that you'd stay here, that you'd specifically bless John as he's about to bring us your word. Um, help us all to be ready to receive it and apply it. Um, I just pray that you'd fill us with um, readiness to live out the gospel today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, once again, good morning and welcome to Morrison Hill Christian Church. We keep saying that because we mean it so much. We are so thankful that every single one of you is here. We're so thankful for everybody who's joining us online. And uh, we're thankful that that is working today as far as I can tell. And uh, thank you so much for um, joining us, however you're joining us. Obviously, it's better when we get together because fellowship is such an important thing, but I know that's hard right now, and we don't take it lightly that so many of you are making that effort to make that happen. I'm excited today to wrap up a summer-long series that we've been walking through about putting others first. It's been called Recalculating. And as we've remembered almost every single time, uh, the basic concept is easy. Put God first above all else. Put everybody else above yourself. Pretty simple. But the second we start living it out, it gets really hard and it gets complicated. And, and, and right this minute, I think most of us are thinking that 2020 is the most random and most complicated thing there's ever been. It's harder than ever to try to reach out to put others first, to know how to do that, to know what to do. But again, let's remember together that it's always been complicated. It's always been hard. And yet God can make that happen in our lives. He can help us get through it if we focus on his kingdom first. Let's say this out loud together. We must focus on God's eternal kingdom. One more time, real big. I need you to feel this in your soul. Okay, you ready? Here we go. We must focus on God's eternal kingdom. Let me show you how this works. This is a pretty big pan, but it's abysmally small for what I'm trying to make it represent here. Uh, This is 2020, okay? So inside of this is, uh, let's see, there's a global pandemic, whole bunch of reactions to that, whole bunch of reactions to the reactions, whole bunch of other stuff about that. There's racial tension. There is, I, I could go on and on, but I think you guys get the idea, right? There's a lot of stuff in this thing. And so what we tend to do is kind of panic about that. What we tend to do is, man, I I don't know. How do we handle this? What's the right thing? And somewhere while we're all running around in here going crazy, somewhere in here we start going, hey, that's not how you do it. That's not how you do it. We start arguing with each other, and that doesn't work. Are you with me so far? Is this making sense? Here's Here's the thing. If that is abysmally small for what it represents, this is even worse. This represents God and timeless truth. This is temporal. This is what it, we're experiencing in the here and now. This is what's true no matter what. This was true before the world began. This was true when it began. This was true ever since then. It's true right now and it will be true throughout all eternity. This is way too small for that stuff. Way too small for God. But I want to show you, here's what happens. When we start with this, when we focus on our personal little kingdoms, when we focus on our personal problems, when we focus on the things that really are big and overwhelming, and then we say, but I do, 
I really should try and fit some of God's timeless stuff into that. I really do want God's will. I'd like to know what this is. <laughs> Ever heard that noise in your soul? It doesn't work. You try to fit God and you try to fit timeless big stuff that's way bigger than any of us into our stuff that happens right here, right now. It doesn't work. Eternity doesn't fit into right here, right now. We experience right here, right now. But eternity doesn't fit into it. Some of you have already figured this out. There is a solution. You focus on the eternal. You focus on God's eternal kingdom. You focus on what's true no matter what the circumstances. No matter how confusing anything else is. You focus on the one who's in control regardless. And when you do that... That is why even when it gets hard, and even when it gets complicated, and even when it gets confusing, and I can't, I don't know what I did here. There you go. There's my little time clock. Make sure I don't go all day long. So here we go. Um, even when it gets crazy, even when it's confusing, some of these are true. So it's so complicated now to try to help everybody connect, but this is still true. In Hebrews, when the writer of Hebrews first wrote this, if you went to church, you were going to probably get arrested, maybe killed, maybe lose your job, maybe a bunch of other things. It, it wasn't just 2020 that there's been some risk involved about getting together, but that's when this was written. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That first century is also when Paul wrote this, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It only works. We only have hope if we constantly resync ourselves with our Heavenly Father, with what is true, what is absolute, what is real, no matter what. And if we all collectively commit to doing that daily as Jesus taught us, then it's like we're all following the same GPS. We have a hope. We have a chance of ending up where we need to be. We have a chance of hearing the Holy Spirit's voice going, recalculating, recalculating, and getting us back on track when all of us tend to stray away. Is this still making sense? Are you guys getting this? It's the only way, and that's why we focus on these things all summer long. We've worked in all of the other issues, we've tried my best, and there's other things that I wish I could spend days and days walking through and talking with you, but this is what I really felt God was leading us to remember together, is the true stuff, the big stuff, the God stuff has to come first, and then the other stuff can fit into it, and that's the only way it works. This morning, I'd like to one more time read out loud and actually pray the Lord's Prayer together. If you memorize it in another um, version, you're welcome to just to kind of help it be easy. I've got it in the New Living Translation version up here this morning. But let's pray this. This is how Jesus taught us to pray. And one more time, this is how he taught us to pray, not so much what he taught us to pray. It's not so much that you have to memorize it, though I did, and I hope you did too, and I hope you pray it. But the point is, this is how we approach God. Let's approach him together. Jesus said to pray like this. Let's all together. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice, God first. 
Now the second part, it works us into that. First part starts here, second part slides this part into that. Give us today, everybody together, give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. How many of you guys are big question askers? You're always curious about stuff. You might notice that some Bibles don't have this one in there. That last line, some of them have a little footnote, so it's down there. And if it has a footnote, it probably says something like this. Some of the earliest manuscripts don't have that line in it. Uh, if you really want to know all the ins and outs, believe me, I am a question answer. I will walk you through exactly why that's like that, and that's weird. I'd love to do that, but that's not important. Here's what I need you to know this morning. Whether that ended up in the original manuscript right there or not, that idea is exactly what the whole prayer about that idea is what Jesus has been saying all along. All of his teaching is that idea. It's all throughout the scripture. It's even word for word almost in several other places. Here's one example. I'll give you the example. But first, this is where we got to say, this is what we're praying this morning. As we wrap up this prayer, we're saying to God together, the kingdom is yours forever. The kingdom is yours forever. But here's an example in the Old Testament. Listen how close this is to the Lord's Prayer. Because again, it's not something he wanted us to memorize as much as this is how you approach God. This is David praying in uh, 1 Chronicles 29 when he is handing over the kingdom to Solomon. And he prays, O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. You see that? See how it's the same way of approaching God. But also, listen to this way he ends this prayer. Very similar to the same way Jesus ended this model prayer he gave us. He says, but who am I? And who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you first gave us. We are here only for a moment. Visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. Now, that sounds like a real downer, doesn't it? That sounds like a lot of depressing, oh, we're so terrible, we're not even anything at all, we're just shadows, we're nothing. But he's not being down here. He's just being honest. He's accepting reality. He's doing what Admiral Stockdale said. How many remember me sharing this before? Because I share this a lot. I believe in this a lot. Hey, thank you, Frank. Okay, here we go. Admiral Stockdale was known for helping a lot of people through the Hanoi Hilton, which was the worst POW camp in the Vietnam War. And every, him and everybody else who were following him not only survived it, but came out the other side with barely any PTSD or anything. They just went on with their lives. And so people have been studying him ever since. And this was his basic core belief that got them all through that. And this is in his own words. He says, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. For us as believers, we must never stick our head in the sand and not take 
all the real stuff we're experiencing in real life seriously. We've got to do something. God, we're here right this minute to do something about this on the earth. However, we can't forget that we will prevail in the end. It does fit. How many ever saw the movie The Karate Kid? I love that movie. I, I, I really like that one. I recently was re-watching it and just coincidentally was also reading uh, the book of Ecclesiastes one more time about the same time. And it struck me that Mr. Miyagi reminds me a lot of this character the writer of Ecclesiastes calls the teacher. If you read that book, it's a little confusing sometimes, but what, what he, he's got this character that's kind of just really dark and really gruff. And he's kind of like, there's just no point. And everything's bad. And no matter what you do, it's, there's just no point. And he keeps saying stuff like that. It's a lot like Mr. Miyagi treated Daniel most of the movie. Just wax on, wax off, do it. Just do it, get it done. And yet, just like Mr. Miyagi, there's a lot more going on. And I'd like to share that with you really quickly about Ecclesiastes today. One of the things that keeps getting repeated over and over in Ecclesiastes is this phrase, everything is meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And when we hear meaningless in English, we tend to think there's no meaning. There's no point. It's just a waste of time. Everything is just terrible. There's a connotation there to that word that's negative, and we can't get around that. But I think it's important to, to understand that in the original language, the word there that we translate meaningless is hevel. It's a Hebrew word called hevel, and it's not a negative word. It's not something that means a bad stuff necessarily. It can be translated as meaningless, but what it, the core meaning is something more like it's a breath or a vapor or smoke. It's something you can't grab. Even when you see it, you can't contain it. You can't control it. It's beyond anything that you can do or even understand. And it's temporary. It's just kind of there for a second and then it's gone. Like a, a mirage or an illusion or a magic trick. It's, it's only there for a moment. And again, the connotation is not hopelessness, but humility. It's simply saying in the context of all that God knows, what I know or what I think is not that much. In the context of eternity... What I want out of life is not that much. Does that make sense? What, what, it's just remembering that it's like a beautiful fog and then it's gone. You experience it, but then it's just gone. And even while you're in the middle of it, you're not really sure. You know what I'm saying? It just, it's like that. That's how life is. David prayed in Psalm 39 that God would help him understand that better. He said, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. We are merely moving shadows, and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. I hope you read that whole psalm later. I'm skipping a little bit just because there's so much I want to cram in this little half hour we have together. But listen how he wraps this up. Once again, it's the same perspective. He says, and so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. So we've got to start by focusing on the eternal kingdom of God. But the second thing we've got to do is invest everything in that. Invest everything we've got in this little bit of time, this little bit of stuff, this little bit of whatever God has given us right this minute. We invest all of that in the eternal kingdom and then something could actually get done. Let's say that out loud together. We must invest everything 
God gives us. This idea of seeking God's kingdom first, I did not make that up. Jesus made that up. He said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. He taught us a lot about this. All throughout this perspective on life. This basic core perspective on life. It's not just the Lord's Prayer. That's just one of the clearest and most simple ways to get our brains and our hearts around it. This idea of daily resyncing with God and His eternal purposes for us. As not just a noble thing to do. Not something for super Christians, whatever that might mean. It's basic. This is what happens. This is how you follow Jesus. Daily resyncing yourself with God and His will. That concept is so primal. And then this idea of investing everything is just as primal. In Matthew chapter 25, he tells us three stories. I hope that these are very familiar to you. But I'd like to retell them very quickly and just make sure together that we understand the point that he is making with all three stories. It's this same thing that we're talking about today. The first story that he tells is the ten bridesmaids. And the ten of them all have lamps that they're bringing to a wedding. And they know that their job is to light that wedding. They're bringing those lamps to light the wedding. So they're waiting on the bridegroom to show up. They're waiting till he gets there. And as they're waiting, some of them just kind of zone out a little bit. They forget that the point, what they're there for, is to light the wedding. So they're just kind of sitting there, man, he's taking forever. This is forever. Some of them fall asleep. They don't even shut off their lamps to save the oil or anything because they're just distracted. They, they forget that their purpose is to light the wedding whenever he gets there. So by the time he finally gets there, five of them have gone off to buy more oil. Only five of them actually get to get in to do their job. Here's Jesus' own moral of the story that he gives. He says, so you too must keep watch. For you do not know the day or the hour of my return. But clearly, the, th the thread that we're going to see in all three of these stories is invest everything that God gives you. Make sure that you're doing your job. You're going to be held accountable for that. Second story is the three servants, probably even more familiar. He said a rich man gave one of his servants a whole ton of money. Yesterday, Andrew Margrave shared this same story with the men. So it's good stuff, man. God's telling a lot of us the same way. That's why I was smiling, by the way. I didn't say anything, but I was like, yay, good stuff. But anyway, back at it. Here we go. He gives one guy a whole bunch of money. He gives another guy twice that much money. He gives another guy five times that much money. And he says, hey, here's what I need all of you to do. I need you to invest this money to make my name greater, to make my business bigger, to make me more money, build my little kingdom, build my brand or something like that. You know what I'm saying? I need you to make me more stuff with this. That's your job. You're my servants. The, the guys that he gave a little bit more money, they went out and they did that. They doubled their money. The first guy didn't. He just buried it and put it in a hole in the ground. And when the master finally came back, he just gave it right back. Let's not get distracted. So, so is it wrong to bury things? It's, it's, that's not what Jesus is trying to say. The guy didn't do his job. He had one job, and the master would have rather that he failed at trying to do the job or just put it in the bank, is what he actually suggested. He, you could have just put it in the bank and it could have drawn interest, something. But I told you 
to invest what I gave you. And you're accountable to invest what I gave you in my to invest what I gave you in my eternal kingdom. And if you're not doing that, I don't care what you think about me. I don't care about the circumstances. I don't care. That is your job. This, this is Jesus' moral of the story that he said at the end of that story. He said, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And so, here we go. Let's say this together. We must actively build God's kingdom together. And every single word in this particular phrase is very important. We... Not somebody else. We must, we don't have a choice. If we're going to follow Jesus, we don't have a choice. Actively. This is not something that we think about. It's not something that we believe. This is something we do. Build. We're supposed to be making God's kingdom grow. No matter what. No matter what. Whatever it takes, we're supposed to be building his kingdom. God's. Whose kingdom is it? Oh, that was wimpy, and it's even on the screen. Come on, people, you can do this. Whose kingdom is it? Thank you. And it's a kingdom. This is a, we are expanding not just some sort of a fad or some sort of a system of doing things. We are helping people come under the authority of God in every way. And how do we do it? Last word, everybody. Together. Now let's say the whole thing together. We must actively build God's kingdom together. That is what we are here to do. Now, together is a pretty important thing. There, there was a point in Matthew 12. You should just read that whole chapter. Matthew 12 is a big deal. There's a lot of cool stuff in that. But in the middle of this, he, Jesus is being confronted by the teachers of the law, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. He's being attacked. He's not following all their rules the way they want him to follow them. He's not doing things the way they think he should. Uh, They're they're jealous of people following him instead of them. There's a lot going on. And they actually, in the middle of it, they accuse him of casting out demons using the power of demons. It gets really deep there. And we don't have time to get that deep. But in the middle of this, I need you to hear what he says. Because this applies not just to that issue, but just across the board. This phrase from Jesus is haunting me. Every day right now. He said any kingdom divided. Well let's read the whole thing. Jesus knew their thoughts. And replied. Any kingdom divided by civil war. Is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding. Will fall apart. That counts for America. Or any other country in the world. That counts for the kingdom of God. That counts for your family, your friendships. It counts for Morrison Hill Christian Church. It counts for any church anywhere. If we allow this stuff to distract us so much that we can't even fit God in, we're doing it backwards. If we let that happen and we start fighting over this stuff instead of uniting about this stuff and putting all this stuff in it, we're doomed. We don't have a chance. This isn't just a noble idea to shoot for. This is the only hope we have. And so I plead with you. And I need you to hold me accountable to do the same thing. Look at the choices that you're making today. The choices you've been making. The choices that you're about to make. And and think about this also. 
Is it building unity? Is it building love? Is it building God's kingdom? Is the way that you're handling all this stuff focused on God's eternal kingdom and building it or not? And also think about this. Same chapter, same thing. Again, go back and read Matthew 12. Jesus said, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. What's coming out of the choices that you're making? What's coming out about the way that you talk about all this stuff we're facing right now? What's coming out about the, the, the way you handle it? The way you treat others because of it? What's coming out of the choices that you're making? Is it good stuff or is it bad stuff? Is there any stuff at all? Because this timeless truth that we're here to build God's kingdom is not dependent on any, any present tense circumstances. It's timeless. We've got to live with that in mind. Several years ago at TCTC, one of my favorite speakers spoke. His name was Jeff Walling. I've got two volunteers that are going to come and help me with this. They already volunteered earlier. Let's see, where's the end of this? This was just so cool, it stuck with me. Here they come. He said, this little thing here, this, reply, this represents your life. It's like a little dot, okay? This is your life. This represents eternity, okay? If you guys can come on this side real quick. I think it'll help the camera a little bit better. Which one of you wants to be the stay on stage? You're on stay on stage, so you hold on. Oh, wait, first, I gotta put this on. Now, here's the problem. It really is hard to try and fit the idea of eternity into our lives. But the reality is the only way that it makes any kind of sense at all is when we remember that our lives are just part of eternity. And watch this. This is really cool. All right? You can take this with you a little bit and then just keep on going. This is a little perspective. Go ahead and take the life thing too. There's that dot. If we focus on the dot, okay, let the dot just hang there and just keep on going. If we focus on that little dot, there's nothing wrong with that, especially if what we're focusing on is trying to invest in the eternal kingdom. But look at how much there is. You can keep going. <laughs> look, look how much there is. That's nothing compared to what's real and what's eternal and what's absolute forever. You can keep going. <laughs> this is nothing. And that is why, brothers and sisters, we've got to live for the line and not for the dot. Can you give, give let's lay, lay it down. Give them a hand and go tell her she can come back. I think they get the point. The last story Jesus tells in Matthew 25, he starts out this way. But when the Son of Man comes in all his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. Notice what's happening here. He's been calling himself the Son of Man, the Messiah. That's a messianic term. He's calling himself that consistently. Listen to the title change. When the Son of Man comes in all his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne. Then he will sit. Upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people like a shepherd separating sheep from goats. Then the king will say to those on his right, Notice what's happening? It's Messiah, shepherd, uh, boom, king. This is it. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. 
For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And all of these people that he is saying, hey, come on in, get your reward to, they're kind of freaked out. They're going, hey, you told us to do that, and we did it, okay? We lived that way. We, we did that. When I had enough food, I would share it with those who didn't. When I had enough clothes, et cetera, et cetera. I did go visit people when they were sick. I took care of them when they were sick. I, I took care of people who were in prison. I, I, I did those things. But I don't remember. I, Jesus, i got to be honest, I don't remember seeing you. And then the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. Notice the active verbs there. You were doing it for me. You weren't just saying, oh, you know what? Look at those cute little kids. It's kind of like Jesus in the room. They're so great. You do something for those kids. Are you with me on this? You feed the hungry, you clothe the naked, you give them a drink, you invite them into your home, you, you, do, you do these things. And when we do these things, we do those things for Jesus. That's what James is talking about when he said, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Brothers and sisters, I, I want to tell you something. I, God has just been putting this on my heart so much, and I'm not the only one. I've been reading this. I've been hearing this. Uh, some of you have been saying this. I just really believe this is it. The future of the church, not just Morrison Hill, but the church, is going to be based on whether we start becoming more than ever, than ever before anywhere. Again, our church, every church everywhere. We've got to be focused on what we do outside of this building more than what we do inside. We are called to do things. We are called to change the world. We are called to invest every single thing we are given in the eternal kingdom of God. And that's why it's important that we keep getting together. That's why it's important that we keep learning. That's why we keep fellowshipping and worshiping together. That's why those things have to happen. We've got to figure out ways using technology or whatever it takes to keep people connected. We've got to figure this out. But God's plan, his timeless plan is that his people make a difference. That every single day they remember, listen, that the kingdom and the power and the glory are God's forever and ever. And that's true whether we like it or not. That's true whether we like it or not. They are His forever. But here's the thing. His people are called to say amen to that. The kingdom and the power and the glory are yours forever. Amen. And amen means so be it. Yeah, buddy. Yeehaw. Let's go. It means I agree, and I'm going to do something about that. That is the secret. Not just thinking differently, but acting differently. Changing the stuff around us. When we live out this truth, we're happier. When we live out this truth, our lives start to count eternally. And isn't that what we want? Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you want? Yeah, come on. Nobody wants their life to just be a meaningless vapor that just disappears. And it made no difference. And it was meaningless. 
Yes, it's going to disappear. In light of eternity, our lives aren't that much at all. And yet we can affect all eternity. And we can bring people into a much better eternity if we devote our lives to doing this. At the end of every single sermon outline I've ever preached, there are three words. Lord, I will. That's because I believe this with all my heart. I believe God wants us to do something about whatever we see in his word. And I don't know what he's calling you to do this morning, but I'm inviting you one more time to do it and take your first step this morning. Maybe you just need to pray with someone that's available for you. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time. Maybe you need to come back to Jesus. Maybe you want to join our church officially. Maybe you want to devote your life to missions. I don't know what you want to do, what he's telling you to do this morning, but I'm begging you to do it because that's the future of your life. That's the future of our life together. That's the future of the global church. And it's the only thing that's going to affect eternity forever and ever. Let's stand and let's sing to our King. That concludes the Sunday Sermons podcast. You can respond to the invitation you just heard where you are right now. Don't waste this opportunity to change your life for the better. If you've made a decision or are interested in learning more, please visit us at morrisonhill.com.